Previously on the Lupe and Royce show. I did a shoe with Vans. I'm looking at it right now. It's on my shelf. Send me one of those. I got a, I got a box of them around somewhere. What size you wear? Ten. Mm, I'm going to see if I got something in the box. What size you wear? I wear a ten as well. So? What are you saying, Tom? You could walk a mile in my shoes? That's what you're saying? Tom said that like, hey, I want some shoes too. Tom, I'm not sending you any shoes. Uh-huh. Me and you don't wear the same type of ten because I'm from the streets. Are you from the streets? The Lupa and Roy Show is a Say What Media production. The presenting sponsor is Blue Microphone. What up, y'all? This is Lupe Fiasco, and I read books, not on a regular basis, but on a basis. What up, y'all? This is Royce the 5'9", and I'm not well-read at all. All I do is rap. Apparently, all I do is just sit around and decipher all day, according to people. So. And this is Tom Frank. I'm just the regular dude that sits along with these two knuckleheads. And you're listening to... The Loop and Roy Show. What's that mic you got back there? How come you got a special silver? Uh, I got a special silver edition. Yeah, where's my silver edition? It's coming. That's his answer to everything. It's coming. It's coming. Well, I'm going to tell you this. You both have your the first ever Loop and Roy's t-shirts coming to you that you'll be wearing at next week's show. But the official show shirts are now available at saywhat.media slash shop. T-shirts are available right now at saywhat.media. You can go get you some fancy T-shirts. And guess what? I also got shirts. That's new Lupe Fiasco shirts. You can go to shoplupefiasco.com and just get straight Lupe shirts. It's not Say What Media. It's not Lupe and Royce. It's just Lupe if you just want some it's, Lupe shirts. I'm going to go get a Lupe shirt. They're half shirts, though. You, they, don't have the Roy, they don't have Royce on them. He says your shirt is half shirts. Like halter top? Kind of like that. Man, he's going to have all the top on looking like Bruce Leroy. Listen, you can uh, go right now and get you a nice Lupe and Roy show T-shirt from SayWhat.media. That's what's most important because that's how we make money. Limited edition. We, we only have uh, 100 of each shirt. You got to get them for you and your crew right now so they're available for you for the holidays. And we got to give a quick shout out to Crooked Monkey. They are the official branded merchandise partner of the Lupe and Royce show. So if you or your company are giving out t-shirts, holiday gifts, or employee welcome kits, then you best be using Crooked Monkey. Crooked Monkey designs the dopest merch. Check out crookedmonkey.com to, be, to learn more and tell them Lupe and Royce sent you. No, tell them Tom sent you because I, I don't have a paid sponsorship last time I checked with my accountant with Crooked Monkey. So if you got a little deal, you working with them on the side, that's your cash, okay? That's yours. Don't don't elect me to jump in on your little side deal, laundering money for the cartel. Tom, why didn't Crooked Monkey contact Lupe's accountants? Yeah. They go through they go through me. Oh, okay. And, All right. And, so I see what this is. Are you Lupe's accountant? I would not want to be Lupe's accountant. That would be a rough job. He makes too much money. Oh, wow. Here we go. Now you're just putting me on blast for the tax, man, huh? I just want to preface this whole podcast by saying I'm not a part of any cartel. Man, you a part of the Allensworth cartel, cuz. Hey, listen, are there Allensworth cartel shirts? Is it Allensworth or Allentown? It's Allensworth, right? Allensworth. Is it? Is that Allensworth cartel t-shirts, which I specifically asked? Or did you and Crooked Monkey, yet again, in y'all little cabal of infamy, fuck me out of my Allentown cartel shirt? <laughs> I love Cabal of Infamy. Okay, I, I wonder that's why they call it Crooked Monkey. Okay, I see what's going on here. Yeah. Royce, what's going on? What you been up to? 
Uh, still building, still building up here in my studio, man. Just taking it a day at a time, um, recording whenever I get some ideas, but mostly just dealing with contractors and being on other people's time, just building shit slowly but surely. Cause I, I told you I expanded one of my rooms back here. So I had to expand, build a whole new room and then also totally redo my live room. So it's taking a, it's taking a minute and I'm learning a lot as I go. Too, because I don't. I prior to this, I knew nothing about this shit. Now I'm almost, I'm almost an expert. What makes me upset about what you just said is that I knew about that stuff and you didn't ask me. That, my brother, upsets me deeply. Because I could, I could informed you about acoustics. I could, I could have hooked you up with some some contractors from the beginning to build you out the finest studio in all of Greater Metro Detroit. But no, brother, you have to go on trailblaze out there on your own. But it's cool, though. You said last time you was here, y'all was still in front door. So I could have got you some no. of them doors is what I'm saying. If you no, needed a no new stolen, door, no stolen merchandise, bro. It wouldn't have been stolen. That's what I'm saying. When are we going to get a tour? I saw pictures. It looks fantastic. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, it, as soon as it's done, I guess. Um, plus, you know, you know, the whole COVID thing is kind of like messing us up, you know, Lupe not moving. He's not moving from that spot he's sitting there. He's been there the whole pandemic. Yeah, I ain't got COVID either, so there's that. I, too, don't have COVID, I'd like to say. (laughs) What about you, Tom? I got another test down the throat. All went good. But Tom has given exposed mad children to COVID, though. That's the other side of Tom. i like to say that this is a COVID-free podcast. 100%. As of now. As of right now. As soon as we get past this bump in the road that we're in in the world, I'm going to give you guys a tour of my studio. And I'm also going to go to Chicago so I can see Lupe's studio, too. Yeah, so you come see my I- studio, man. This, this, It is a fantastic little spread that we got out there out west. Oh, wait, so the, com- the compound is out west? Yeah, it's on the west side of Chicago. In the hood. hood. But you don't know. People, people don't know that it's there. But it's there. It's, it's legit. It's a legit little situation. Shout out to uh, FNF Studios. KD, what up? What about you, Tom? You come into my studio. It's right here. He didn't ask you about your fake studio, Tom. He asked you, <laughs> what were you doing? I'm building out my studio right now, too. I see oh, you got an extra be... mic back there. So you got your award. What's that award? Wait, oh, that's an award. Yeah, that's why I know. I, I, what's the award that, that you got back there? I got that for a documentary I, I shot in Africa. Ooh, tell us more. I shot a documentary for a uh, uh, for a, uh, the Getty Foundation, which is a... Uh, foundation that was helping with people um, with AIDS in Nigeria. And so we went there and shot a uh, documentary, award-winning documentary, raised about a million dollars for them. Good job, Tom. Was there a ceremony for this? Uh, there was. And you went up to the podium? I did. You, do you remember, you remember what your speech was? I was very thankful and uh, appreciative. It was an incredible experience. I was in uh, Nigeria for two weeks and um, saw some things that I thought I would never see. Um, and you know what's you know what the strike most striking thing about it was that I was in a country and interviewing people that were dirt poor, but they all walked around with a smile on their face, which I think sometimes we got to remember that here. That's humbling. It is humbling. So Lou, when you won your Grammy, what'd you say when you when you gave your acceptance speech? Actually, I never gave a Grammy speech when I won my Grammy because I wasn't at the awards when I won my Grammy because I was in a hotel room damn near dying from pneumonia. And my mom actually went and accepted, my mom and my sister went and accepted my Grammy. 
They had a little picture of me like I was dead. It was it was it was insane. So the day the when I won my Grammy, every time every time else I went to the Grammys and was nominated, I never won. And then the time I won, the one I time. Won. Actually, I won another time and then another time too. But that's something different. But I wasn't. I was. I went up for the other time that we had won. But anyway, that's because Robert Glasper's album won a Grammy, and I was on that album. So it's kind of like mm. I was on there. You know how you like the award ceremony? I mean, the Grammys is cool. I mean. This one of those things where the good thing about the Grammys, like that the award show, I'm not even gonna talk about the organization. You get to see like performances that you would never see anywhere else. Like you see the illest remixes of all time, right? That you would never see on like any other stage. So the Grammys has the power to pull together like all these disparate artists and songs and collaborations and stuff like that. That's the dope shit about the Grammys. And the performances actually be dope if you if you go. You ever been? You ever been to the Grammys, Royce? For sure you've been mm-hmm. to the Grammys. Mm-hmm. I've been to one. Yeah. So that that shit one. is cool. You've been in the you've been in the audience or you backstage with Eminem? Both. I've never been backstage at the Grammys. I've never had that piece. But I've always been in the audience and it's been it's always been dope. And you know there's two Grammys. There's like the one that they see on TV. And then mm-hmm. there's the one like before where they give out all the awards, like the majority of the award, like opera and symphony and all the, all the weird rap categories and stuff like that. Um, so I go to that one because that's where the bulk of my nominations were. And then I'll have like maybe one nomination on like the big stage. We'll be right back. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. I was sitting behind Will and Jada. And I was sitting next to Kim Kardashian. Jada turned around and said she liked, she, she turned around and told me she liked my jacket. I, I don't remember exactly what kind of jacket I had on, but I remember Jada told me she liked my jacket. So it must've been a f- pretty fucking cool jacket, if I must say. We want to thank Blue Microphones for supporting our show. For 25 years, Blue has helped people to find and amplify their voices. And today they are the mic of choice for millions of musicians, podcasters, and YouTubers. No matter what kind of content you create, Blue has a setup that will make you sound and look great. If you've ever thought about creating your own podcast or stream, check out the Yeti Caster. It's a complete mic and boom arm system that connects to your laptop, bringing the ultimate broadcast studio to your home or office. Now is the perfect time to start your creative project. So visit bluemic.com and click Get Started to start telling your story. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine, and Tom Frank. Yo, man, you know what I want to do? I want to send I want to send some prayers and well wishes to the families and the friends and the loved ones of all of the rappers and, and people who lost their lives and were affected by all of the senseless senseless violence that's been taking place in and around hip hop recently. I think that needs to be touched on. I really feel bad about the state of things as it pertains to that, man. I hate to think that hip hop, that being a hip hop artist is such a dangerous, dangerous job. Oh, it's not. You don't think so? Be, no, being a, a street nigga is a dangerous job, right? Like if Crazy Legs was in a shootout, right? Or um, 
and I said this on I said this on my IG live a while ago, and it's no it's not to disparage it or or uh, talk down on anybody because I feel the same the same way as you, but there has to be a separation of this is hip hop. That's not hip hop. Mm-hmm. That's some street shit, right? With street niggas, and I come from that life. You know, I put myself on blast. I come from that shit, and that's what happens in that life. Niggas die, right? On the rap side of things, just with rappers, you don't see that. I've never seen that. I feel like rappers are targeted. I feel like rappers are targeted because because people see shit like this, and then just the way that that, that, that the genre itself is portrayed most of the time, and the images that that people see, for the most part. You know what I mean? For the most part, the images that people that people see, I think that um some people subscribe to it and feel like that it's a part of it. So you get shit like what happened with Benny, you know, Benny going to Walmart and somebody trying to rob him. You know what I mean? Like niggas ain't just robbing anybody at Walmart all the time. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like, oh, the shit, that's Benny the Butcher. You know what I mean? And the prize, the prize is even more because it's a rapper. You know, you want to be able to say you got Benny the Butcher's chain. You know, you want to be able to score points off of this person just because of the type of shit that they rap about. You agree with that? I mean, sure. And I, I, I looked at that situation too. I don't know anything about the Benny situation. Um, I don't know none of the aspects of it. I didn't know if he was in Walmart, icy than a motherfucker. Right. Um, and you know, all it takes is somebody who after that bag, whether you're a rapper or not, they'll rob a street nigga. If he walked in there looking like that too, they'll rob Santa Claus. If he walked in there with, a million dollars on his neck. I don't know if that's the case, right? So right. that's why it's kind of like each instance is, is is his own instance. And some of the things you know the backstory about, it's a fight, you know, and fight got out of hand. Somebody feeling a certain way, so they up, right? Another is, you know, even in their music, they beefs is just laid out. You know what I'm saying? Like they beefs is just, I got beef with this dude, like by name. Right. Or mm-hmm. by gang or whatever. And it's a different kind of situation. You can understand like, oh, they really at each other. Like he's really talking about when he catches dude, he's going X, Y, Z. Or when he catches such and such X, Y, Z. And I think each situation is his own animal. But I, I agree with you out from the outside looking in. We so much of hip hop has just been defined as street shit. Right. And it goes. I was listening to Mob Deep album. Uh, I was listening to the infamous a few days ago. And uh, I was like, yo, this shit is violent, <laughs> right? Like this shit is from the beginning of the, <laughs> from the beginning of the album to the interlude to the whole motherfucking album. Like this shit is violent. They're talking about just shooting niggas, robbing niggas for fun. I'm like, damn. And it just shows that's what, 95, 94, 95. Mm-hmm. So just think from 94, these premier albums, if you go back and listen to them, not all of them, but if you go back and listen to some of them, they're extreme, they're ultraviolet. And that becomes a staple for hip hop, right? And mm-hmm. it kind of gets lumped in. People take it wholesale. And I, I remember I went through Biggie. I remember I went through Biggie's album and I was listening to that shit. I was like, what the fuck have I been listening to? Like he talking about raping kids and throwing them. I'm like, God damn. And part of it is hip hop did that to itself. Right. Like you had those experiences from wherever they came from, institutional violence, racism, whatever, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Whatever diagnosis that you want to put on it or why you said those things. But when you stepped in the booth, 
you made a choice to speak that. And it could have been your truth. It could have been some studio gangster shit somebody made up. It could have just been a story that they told. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't true, but it just was. But the story they chose to tell was this super ultra violent shit about a robbery in Queens. Right. And it's a classic. You know, it ain't like some fly by night shit. It's like this is the found niggas learn how to rap listening to this. Right. And you fast forward to today. You know, I don't see no difference. Somebody was talking about like King Von, rest in peace. And it was like, man, his music was so violent. Da, 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 da. And somebody was like, man, but shit, you can go to any decade in hip hop, maybe not the 70s, but late 80s, definitely the 90s, definitely the 2000s. It ain't no difference from your big, from big artists, like huge, big ass artists. So 10 million records, X, Y, Z. You listen to the some of the body of their work and that shit is like, that shit's just as violent. Right. Just as talking about the same goofy shit. So, I mean, I'm conflicted, I guess, Royce. But expound, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted. I, you, conflicted how? I mean, so what? So the, the, the content of the music, you think that plays a you think that plays a part? I think when the content is actively you talking about shit you did, like literally did and putting mm-hmm. a premium on what you saying being reality. And then there's a reinforcement coming through. That studio gangster. I didn't make up that term. Where we learn that term from? From hip hop. Mm-hmm. Right. I've never heard studio gangster being used anywhere else except in hip hop. Right. So you get this reinforcement of people wanting to act out their shit. Um, I've listen, I'm I'm not gonna put myself too too deep into a motherfucking hole, but I know that's true, you know, that aspect. And when you got that, those type of conversations about making sure that what you're talking about is real, people put themselves in very precarious situations. They ain't have to start out as gangsters, but you talking that shit around some gangsters and then they putting you into the spotlight. And I mean, it's crazy. Think Too Short. Too Short started out, he was basically making biographies of the gangsters in Oakland, right? That's how he kind of started his he was like the hood poet, right? And would make a biography of this hustler, that hustler, this hustler, that hustler. And it may be that Too Short wasn't about that life at all. Maybe not, you know, not as deep as that, you know, but like he's telling the story of somebody else, but it all gets piled on him. So when he go through a different town, he getting looked at as the gangsters in that town as being like, oh, he talked that gangster shit. Let's test his gangster. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like to your point. So I think is when I say I'm conflicted, it's because some of it's self-inflicted and some, the other side of that is it is like street shit. It's not hip hop shit. Like you, you got, yes, you were a rapper who got killed and you may specifically got to got, have gotten killed for your raps specifically, but your raps was talking about some shit you did in the streets to the niggas who want to come and get you. All right. I mean, you walk, you, you, you walk that line. It, it don't come across in your music for sure, but you definitely have a relationship um to you know walking both sides of the fence so i would love to have your kind of take on it i think it all comes down to intent you know like artistic intent is everything so i think if the intent is good if you mean well like if you're if you're approaching the art like you're painting a picture and you're expressing something that's coming from a pure place then i think it's 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 all good you know what i'm saying and i think tupac spoke about things and he changed the world. You know what I mean? Dr. Dre changed the world. Eminem changed the world. Get Rich or Die Trying changed the world. Snoop Doggy Style changed the world. But along with great albums comes a whole bunch of conflation, a whole bunch of 
motherfuckers coming behind it, trying to redo it. And artistically, their intention is somewhere different. You're always going to get the casual shit. You're always going to get the casual artists, the casual fans to come behind the great ones. You know what I mean? I just don't see the benefit of censorship on any level when it comes to artistic, artistic expression. I think that's just one of those things where you just, you take the good with the bad, you know what I mean? And um, I always say like, my words are a reflection of me. I say I'm their reflection of who I am. I'm not a reflection of my words. Like I'm not saying them and then trying to live up to them. The artists that do that, they're the ones that's fucking it up. You know what I mean? And I just, I think we don't watch movies like Heat, Scarface, Godfather, these super violent movies. We don't watch these movies and then um, come down on Scorsese and say, yo, you're too violent. You know, he's just looked at it's like a screenwriter. I just think that a lot of the hood codes, a lot of the street codes, and a lot of the rules that we create in the street, we somehow drag them over into the artistic form. You know what I mean? And then now you got all these fly by night artists coming and trying to live up to things that they're not. And that's the problem. You know what I mean? Like, I think some of it, we got to figure out a way some of that shit has to stay in the street. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't feel like when you finally make it to getting a record deal or whatever it is, whatever your entry from into the game and, and out of the streets, artists got to learn how to separate that shit, keep that shit there. And, and move forward with their new life. Now, not not saying that some old shit can't come back to haunt you. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of these guys, they getting into the game and they getting into beef moving forward. A lot of this shit is not retroactive. I got the shit I got into was because I was in the, I was in a serious beef as a rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like my most serious shit was because me being signed to a label and, and it, it really not being a thing in Detroit back then exacerbated the fucking problem. You know what I mean? Like it created pro- created problems for me. And since I was drunk all the time, I didn't have a wherewithal to be able to, to defuse some of this shit. I was, my thing was I need to defend myself. I need to stand up for myself. So a lot of times I'm handling shit wrong because I'm young and I'm feeling like, you know what I mean? Like people not supporting me and shit like that. So there's a lot that comes with, just being number one, young and black and trying to find yourself in the world. But then like times that by 5,000 young and black and trying to find yourself within this art form, you know what I mean? Like trying to figure out who you are creatively. A lot of guys don't know that. I didn't know who I was creatively. I came straight out of the open mic. You know what I mean? Like my, my, my best quality was being able to rap about how well I can rap. Like I learned how to make albums by just making fucked up songs and fucked up bodies of work and trying to turn in albums to labels and they being like, nah, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, so just imagine trying to figure all of that out and adding unnecessary beef to that. And, you know, like, and then also like the way that some of the things got diffused, looking at it in retrospect, um, a lot of my experience make me feel like, that anything can be, anything can be diffused. Anything can be diffused through conversation. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the shit, like it, it heightened because of lack of communication and motherfuckers forces outside of it, fueling it, fueling it, fueling it, making it bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, you know, it gets to a point where now you got two sides communicating with each other through violence instead of just 
you know, the right two people speaking at the right time saying the right thing. You know what I mean? But in order for that to happen, there has to be a, um, a common a common goal. You know what I mean? It doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be friends now, but it's got to be two sides that, that sees some sort of light at the end of the tunnel other than warring back and forth. Rather that be, are we going to get this money? Rather that be, we're going to do this for the hood. We're going to do this for nip. We're going to whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever that is, there's always something. You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. I just I just feel kind of bad watching the youngins go through a lot of the shit because I can see where some of it is just super unnecessary. You know what I mean? Like a lot of them don't even realize that they're not here for that. Like you passed that, my nigga. Like you passed that. You this is a new phase in life for you. You know what I mean? Like other other groups of people celebrate celebrate these new milestones in life, whether it be graduating college or you know what I mean? Like whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like Getting a record deal, man, and getting out of that fucked up environment, man, that's an accomplishment. That's something to celebrate. You know what I mean? Like, and a lot of, and just getting away from that and treating it like it's behind you, that's a whole nother monster within itself. That's difficult to do, especially at that age. On the Scorsese front, the dudes who made those movies were mobsters. That's kind of one, that's kind of like the, maybe the elephant in the room on like Scorsese and other like mob movies and stuff like that the consultants and the writers and some of the folks that are like, like behind the scenes of those films is the mob, you know, is dudes, whether they were in the mob and left the mob or whatever they're, you know, I want to get bad with the mob, but uh, there's that dude, Michael, what's his name? Michael Francis, who's just, who he's got a YouTube page and he just be talking about all the shit he didn't did and all that. Right. And he talk about it. They've been in the movie business for an extra long time. Right. And they'll, he, <laughs> he'll call, they got, the writers got, they got to make the shit as authentic as possible. So they reaching out to dudes from that life. Right. And they might be a consultant. They might be this, they might be that. And it's, it's a different kind of like, you know, thing. And I feel like whenever you see a mob movie, as much as it's, you know, we, we use that, with we ain't making this shit every, and I say this, every mob movie I ever seen ends fucked up. Right. And every mob dude, and I know real mob dudes and I know, you know, you see the people you see on TV, ex mob dudes and stuff like that. They always say like this shit is death. Like when you come into it, you already did. That's part of it. Like the when they when they burn when they when they make you a made man and all that shit. It's like your life is over, right? Your shit's over. You belong to us now, and you belong to this life. And you know, I say that to say like every mob movie ends fucked up. Like everybody dies. The family members die. They forced to do fucked up shit. Even Jay-Z, when he was like, I had to turn away when Tony killed Manolo, Scarface killed his best friend for nothing, right? Off an assumption that he had. Uh, I even say, like, why everybody want to be like Tony Montana? Nigga, didn't you see the end of the movie? <laughs> right? Like, why is this such a big deal? And if if I think sometimes people don't look at the end game, right? And even if you when you brought up something about, like, a common goal, right? The common goal is at the end. Right. Where are we trying to get to? I think sometimes people get caught up in the 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 middle that they forget, like, nigga, watch narcos to the end. Right? Like watch the series to the end. Don't pause and replay your favorite scene and ah like watch New Jack City to the end. Watch Boys in the Hood to the end. Watch Menace Society end. All those gangster movies that I can't I can't I can't honestly give it the same type of critique that I give a rap album, right? 
because niggas ain't dying at the end of rap albums. I like what you said, Royce, about when movies get away with it, right? It's just a story, whereas rap doesn't get away with it in the same way that a movie gets away with it. And that's crazy because let's 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 take rap albums out of it. Let's look at careers. Let's look at Jay Z's career. You know what I mean? Like you you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who would call him a drug dealer today. You know, so if you're following his career from when he made Reasonable Doubt, when he was talking about, you know, selling drugs in the Lexus and the key kilos in the Lexus and all that shit, and, and then watched his maturation process and his growth from then to now, that's almost like a fairy tale ending. That's something that's something to aspire to be. Jay told me something super important to make it real. We was in the studio and he was like, uh, that grand opening, he was like, grand closing. He's like, you got to know how to end, right? Whatever the shit you're doing, you got to know how to tie that up and be done with it, to your point again. So even somebody like Jay-Z, he told me that directly to my face, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you got to grand open, get all the shit you need to get done, and then you have to close just as hard and just as, you know, sacrificial on the other side. And I'm sure it was a, a moment that he had where he had to just like, you know what? All this shit right here is done, right? We mm -hmm. doing this or nothing. Right. And then that's a different point of view. You building off a foundation of something else. And he still talk about that shit because he still needs to, he even has a thing where he feel needs to, he needs to be connected to the streets and the relevant mm -hmm. shit like that and blah, 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 blah. And that's different from when you building off a foundation of violence, right? Niggas is trying to become rich off violence. Right. And that mm -hmm. whole thing is like, well, what's your goal? It's like to be rich, but you're not pivoting, right? Like you're not pivoting and getting into some, you know, the black album, the black album ain't reasonable though. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like it's just two different kinds of situations happening. Whereas mm -hmm. you, again, you look at somebody else, every album, like, man, all this shit sound the same. What was that? What does it sound like? It sound like niggas talking about killing each other, <laughs> right? <laughs> niggas on the block to your point, getting intoxicated and not even off something that they can shake off real quick, like maybe some alcohol, right? These niggas is taking all type of prescription shit and pill shit to stay in your system for 15, 20 hours, right? Trying to solve problems and navigate and everybody around them wasted and ain't no support groups, like you said. And I think it's certain artists like Jay-Z, to your point, is different, but he's the 100% exception. The rule for the majority of niggas, they ain't coming out like Jay. Right. And even the people who try and pivot and do the J shit and, and see that that see that path. I mean, how many of them got cut down in the midst on some street mm -hmm. shit? You know, I mean, again, I feel my human aspect is very like empathetic to it. But my street nigga shit is like, that's the game. Part of that's the that's the Cosa Nostra. That's the part of the program. That's the black hand. That's the gorilla. That's all that shit. That's what that is. Once you sign over to that is jail and death. I want to get to the, today's guest and get his take on this. And here's why. Where As you guys are talking about rap, I think he's coming at this conversation from a comedy angle, which I think is quite, quite, quite different. So on the line today, we have Tony Baker, who's also a Chicago native. We've had a lot of Chicago folks on here. Tony's a stand-up comedian and actor who has been performing around the country for nearly a decade and has become well-known for his viral animal voiceover videos on social media. Tony uh, joins us today to talk about the art of comedy, how his career has pivoted in response to the pandemic, and what he thinks uh, that Fly was thinking on uh, Pence's um, head. But we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. Also, make sure you check out his OnlyFans page with Boney Taker. <laughs>
Somebody I made a page with that name, and it's me on the page. Bony Taker. <laughs> Bony Taker, man. How you doing, Mr. Tony Baker? How you doing, great one? I'm good, Joe. You know, happy to be here. Happy, you know, honored to be a guest. We're honored to have you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm always very, very entertained by all of your voiceover meme videos that you put online. I can honestly go down a Tony Baker rabbit hole at any time. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> I appreciate it. And it means a lot coming from you too, because I've been listening to y'all for so many years. So it's just like, man, I'm glad y'all even come to my page once a month. If you've been listening <laughs> to us for so many years, how come you ain't got neither one of our albums on the top shelf oh, of no. your shelf in your living room? Oh, I got I only have Illmatic up there. Right. Why? You ain't got us though. <laughs> Illmatic exactly. is my That's favorite album of all time. Okay, all right. That's fine. You can have that. <laughs> but Lupe, when I talk about my personal classics, Lupe has two, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Food and Liquor and The Cool. Back-to-back classics. Five Micers and, and Tony Baker's magazine, which is nobody reads but me. <laughs> Tony, speaking of hip-hop, right? You came in. At, uh, at a segue, we have, uh, Royce had uh, asked a very kind of began a very serious conversation about hip hop. Maybe not directly uh, about. Well, it, I mean, it involves the music as well, and it involves albums like Illmatic and even some of my records and stuff like that. Some of Royce's mm-hmm. records, et cetera. Um, and it was kind of a dark a dark segue um, okay. before we get into the light. So we'd love to get your take on the issue that that Royce was kind of addressing. What was it? I just started out just sending my well wishes and uh, my blessings to um, all of the families and. The loved ones of, of, of anybody who is, who's been affected by all of the senseless violence that's been taking place in hip hop over the past, you know, couple of weeks and shit. It's been, you know, I mean, you know, over the whole pandemic, it's been pretty fucked up. But um, I was just talking about how unfortunate it is, man, like to watch the youngins just go through this. And you can you can tell where it's kind of like hard to separate the street shit from the music shit. A lot of guys, they get into the music shit and then they they think that when they in the music shit now they got to hire shooters you know what i mean like or or they wait until they get in the music shit to start beefing with each other and you know some niggas wait until they get into the music shit to start being in a gang you know repping the gang culture you know what i'm saying like it's almost like that they feel like it's part of it you know what i mean and, and, and you got like just a, a whole bunch of kids trying to live up to something either that they're not or um just trying to live up to something that they feel that they that's what they need to be in order to be successful in today's climate. And um, me and Lou were just talking about um, the music itself. The content has been, it's been super violent and aggressive, you know, for as far back as we both care to fucking remember, you know, but it just seems like people rapping about shit and talking about shit versus people actually doing shit and shit happening to rappers. It just seems like it's at an all time worse. We in all time worse place right now than we've been. Like if there ever was a time where we need tutelage, guidance, OGs, OGs with some sense, it's now. I go to Hip Hop DX every day. And I feel like it's a rapper shot and killed, or at least shot, every single day I go in there. A lot of times it'd be rappers I've never heard of, but then it'd be like, you know, Boosie got shot in the leg, and then King Von, the whole situation there, and it's just like, 
And then the fuel, if anybody comments on it, it's like, yo, you, you come to this city, you're going to get it too. And it's just like, and now they're trying to ban Meek Mill from North Philly. It's just like, man, when does it, you know what I mean? And we all come from, you know, Lupe's from Chicago. I'm from Chicago. Royce is from Detroit. We come from that violent, you know, culture, Chicago gang city McGee. And it's like, you think when you get on, when you make it, when you get a career in rap, you feel like you're supposed to be going in the opposite direction. It's like, nah, man, we got to amp it up. Let's get the guns in here, man. You're supposed to be rapping to get out of the hood, but we're bringing the hood with me and the bullets. I need those record sales, so I need real bloodshed. And it's just like, come on, man. Bruh, it sucks, man. When I used to go to the studio in Chicago, I used to go with a gun. I had my little rapper backpack, and I'd get on the train, and I'd be strapped. Oh, at the studio. And this was before record deal. This is like, okay. But it was really because it was like, I'm on a part of town that's a little bit shaky. I'd rather be with it. But my mom was like, nigga, if, th- if this is the studio, maybe you should stay your ass home. And that was kind of like, hey, well, you know, yeah, I don't want to shoot nobody, but, you know, maybe. Was the studio on the west side? Yeah, it was out west. It mm-hmm. was like out west, out west. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, growing up in Chicago, I just thought violence was just the way it was everywhere. You know, all you know, as as a kid growing up, all you know is your city. And you're just like, man, Chicago, violent, gangs, you know, cab driver shot and killed right in front of my house on 36th Street. This is, this is what we do out here. And then when you move and you expand and you see new environments, you're just like, man, it was it was ultra rough where I was at. Central Pennsylvania didn't have those problems. You didn't have that in Central Pennsylvania? Yo, you had candles in the windows in Pennsylvania. I've driven through Pennsylvania the single candle in the window is creepy shit. What, what is that? What, what is that, Tom? What, what's the... I, don't, I don't know what you're referring to here. You know exactly I'm... what he's talking about. <laughs> I've driven through Pennsylvania, kind of near Hershey and stuff like that. And I'm going through like rural areas. And then you see like a old school looking house. First of all, Quaker Oats looking house. And then you see a candle in the window. Just, I don't know if it was electric or whether it was an actual, but it looked creepy as hell. And I saw it all, all throughout Pennsylvania driving through there. Creepy shit. And it'd be mad stars on the, on the garage. Man. Did you have a star on your garage? <laughs> no, that's more, that's like more Texas than it is nah, Pennsylvania. But stars on the garage. Trust me, next time you out in the countryside, <laughs> you're going to see, see mad stars on mad the garage. Stars. Mm. Mad stars. Mad stars. So, Tony, what have you been up to, man? Uh, I've just been, um, you know, putting out content, twitching, uh, doing a comedy show here and there, uh, Keep Your Distance Comedy, promoting merch and promoting uh, my comedy special. Just been, you know, doing the best you can do without much travel. Keep Your Distance Comedy. What's, what's that? Explain that to me. What is that? Keep Your Distance Comedy is uh, Kev on stage. He um, himself in Transit Pictures, they... What they do is a live comedy show outside with a super small audience spaced out, um, probably about 20 people in the live audience. And we do a comedy show live. We got multiple cameras so you can buy a ticket to the show and watch it online for 24 hours. And so and then it disappears. So it's like you can be at the live comedy show right there, no matter where you are. You can be in Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania, and watch the show live with the candle in the window. And so people can buy a ticket to that. So it's a virtual comedy show. And I'll be doing one next month. Tony Baker and Friends. But yeah. And it's, it's really dope because I get the live audience because they've been trying to get comedians to do the virtual shows like this, like how I'm sitting here with y'all. And I'm just like, no, I'll pass. 
I can't, but because I, I need that stage and that live audience to feed from. But but they probably about to lock LA down again, so I don't know what's about to what's about to happen. We're all getting locked down again. Everybody gonna be living that Lupe life. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly what needs to happen. Like, don't you we, understand? Like, that's where we need to be. We need to be in the crib. When was the last like, time we, you left the house? Lou. We know Lou. We know Lou. What do you mean? I yeah. left the house earlier today. I get around. You know, I'm not just, but I'm not get. I'm not leaving the house and going to the bar. You know what I'm saying? I'm not right, leaving the right, house right. and going to the bowling alley. Like, I'm just like, I'm going over here and grab me a little twos and fuse from this little spot. And I'm going to make me a little, take the long way home on the streets. And then, you know, back in the crib. Where you live? I'm not telling you that. You know I know where you live. <laughs> I have mapped and located, triangulated Tony Baker's house by analyzing all of his videos and lives and analyzing the, the flora and the fauna of the community in which he's in. And I was pinpointed this man's home. I've got a map of his I'm find I built out a diorama Lupe. of his whole house. Tom, where's Lupe live? Oh, I can't Tell say. Uh, you better not I'm say. Not, Royce. I'm not saying a word. Where does Lupe I know, live? I know where you live at, man. I got you. I'm going to text yeah, you. Yeah, please. Hit me up. <laughs> I'm going to find you. <laughs> hey, Tom, did you start um, doing the voiceover meme thing in the pandemic or were you doing it prior to? I started actually, I did my first voiceover in 2013. And uh, what I did was uh, I did, I did two videos initially. And then Marlon Wayans was about to start a company called What the Funny. It was going to be like a digital platform for content. And so I showed those to him and he was like, yo, this would be great for my channel. Take those off your YouTube and we can do a show behind that based on that. And so I took them off my YouTube what the funny fell through for whatever reason. And then, so I just had the videos and then I reposted them a couple of times. And one time, one of the videos went viral, uh, spice Adams shared it. And then this other page shared it. And then from there, I was like, well, let me just do these on my own. And so ever since then, I just been doing them. And so shoot, it's been since about 2015, I've been doing them on the regular. Have you ever been sued for using somebody's, (laughs) Situation and they was like, "What this? Who the this? This nigga didn't play his voice. Oh my god! Right, I've definitely been threatened. <laughs> <laughs> I got my page. I got my Facebook page deleted because of it. Uh, Damn! Del- my first Facebook page that I attached the fan page to, I had five hundred thousand followers on there. They deleted it. They was like, Facebook did snatch my whole page off. Never gave it back. So I had to start from scratch because." You know, somebody instead of just telling me to either take it down or tag them in it, they'd just be like, Facebook, look at what he's doing. And so when you get too many knocks, they just pull your shit. And so they did that. And so I had to start from scratch on Facebook. And so and then another company hit me up and was like, yo, on your page, we see we see a lot of the videos that are under our umbrella. So we want you to pay fifteen hundred per video. Uh, And I was like. I don't have that kind of money. Like, I don't get paid from these. Like, you know, they, they tried to come for me on that. And I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not making money on your intellectual property here. You just filmed the dog pooping. Relax. You didn't create something special. I remember I was in, I can't remember what, what city it was in, but I, we was somewhere doing a show. Might've been Colorado or somewhere. And I guess somebody that was attached to one of the entourages was going around with us. And he was just taking mad random photos right he just like click, he'd sneak off over here click a few photos sneak over here click a photo click a photo and it's like yo bro what are you doing mm-hmm. and he was like man i finished he's like he takes just basic photos and sells them to like getty images and stuff like that 
right? Oh, wow. So he'll, like a mm. like a picture of a plant or something in the background or a sunset or da 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 da. And that was kind of like one of his hustles. I thought, were we in Texas? I forgot where we were. But anyway, he was just with us, just going around, just take snapping little things. I was like, wow. yo, bro, like you a pay face? Like, yeah. So that, that piece about kind of like intellectual property, somebody owning it, like people be serious about that because they turn around mm-hmm. and like, man, I, I got, it may seem like this stupid little mm-hmm. photo of a stereo system or whatever, but I can make, you know, 300 from such and such selling it to whoever. And if anybody else, and I think the way they get paid is anybody who, they, I mean, they might buy it outright, but I think it's mm-hmm. as people come in and license it, you know, that kind of funds the whole kind of situation. You got to pay $5 to use it or whatever the situation going to be. But yeah, that shit real. Who was the greatest comedian of all time? Oh, that's tough. Me personally or just as a purveyor of comedy? Because there's a difference, you know what I mean? Like, you know, of course, Richard, you know, is is the blueprint of stand-up comedy. That's the purveyor because all of the comedians that he birthed, it was just like, man, his influence is, is enormous. Like when you watch his old comedy specials, and then you'd be like, man, this reminds me of Def Comedy Jam. And like, then you watch Def Comedy Jam, everybody was, not everybody, but the majority was like, man, you could tell they were birthed from Richard. For me personally, the biggest influences for me were Damon Wayans and Sinbad. Shout to Sinbad. He's, uh, mm-hmm. he just had a stroke. And yeah. I, it, it was, mm. it was, yeah, I seen that. And it was, it was in, the, in the midst of my day, I seen that. And it, it struck me super hard because Sinbad is one of the comedians when I was growing up. Mm. I remember watching like his specials just back to back to back, the same special yeah. back to back to back to back. He was such a big, a big deal for me and all the movies he was in mm-hmm. um, uh, back in the day. Like Sinbad yep. was the man, bro. So yeah, shout out to Sinbad and his family. Get well soon, brother. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Well wishes to him and his family. Because my mom don't like all that cussing. She'd be like, man, why are they cussing so much? So Sinbad was the, the guy we could all watch and laugh. And, you know, so uh, this is very special to me. He was just as funny as the dudes who was cussing. So yeah, he was just absolutely. as funny without absolutely. having to cuss or do vulgar material for sure. Absolutely, man. I was like, yo, this is, and we were quoting it in school. We was just like, yo. Sinbad. And then everything he did, I, I followed. Like when House Guest came out, I was like, yes, his sitcoms, I was all in. And so, uh, and a third influence for me, because I consider myself the children of those three, Jerry Seinfeld. Love he, Seinfeld. Oh, Seinfeld is, first of all, is my favorite TV sitcom of all time. I, I don't I don't care what Kramer did. I care what Kramer did, but that's not enough. That's not enough for me to cancel Seinfeld, the show. I stopped watching it because of that, Tony. Oh man, I Come really back. did on some on some like uh like damn like you don't think it's gonna affect you like that and I slowly mm-hmm. was like I can't every time I saw him it was like you son of a bitch like you ruined <laughs> it for me Jack but I, I but I'm with you but I'm with you too we used to watch that man I know oh. episodes by heart for sure and he loves he loves stand up this man is worth hundreds of millions of dollars still doing it I'm just like yes. That's what it's all about, man. So Larry David then went and did his own show. Was it on HBO or what did you ever think of that? Because that was very close to Seinfeld, but kind of a little bit darker. It was close to Seinfeld, but Curb, I can only do in doses because it makes my nerves bad. Even though it's funny, he's so petty. I'm just like, oh, I can only take spurts of it. But it's funny. But I, I just prefer like, you know, that Seinfeld setup in the ensemble. But Larry David is great. He's funny. Larry David is like, what does he have to do with Seinfeld exactly? He's like one of the writers. Yeah. He was a co-creator of, of the show. And so he wrote on it for mad seasons. And then eventually he left. He left before the show ended. But, you know, 
George Costanza is is essentially Larry David. I'm the co-creator of Lupe Fiasco. Did yeah. a good job. You know what's funny about you, Royce? You are younger than me. And it's funny, like, being a fan, I always feel younger than the person I'm a fan of. Except Lupe always felt older than him just because he had that youthful vibe. And I was just like, this guy right here. But Royce right feels here. like your goddamn daddy, don't he? Don't ain't he sitting there Royce like he's your father? has the grown man in you from, from jump. And I was just like... I was just like, wait a minute, I'm older than Royce? I was surprised. Because Royce hit the he hit the streets like he was 46. Not that he <laughs> looks old, it's just that old energy confidence, like, yo, bars. Bars, bars on top of bars. And then I feel like Royce lyrically got better with time. And not many rappers, you know, can claim that. Some either get stuck in, in what they've been doing or some just, you know, it just don't hit the same. But Royce, I feel like, man, this dude is, this dude is getting better, man. Jeez. And then my nose will start bleeding and then I'll just go slap the cats. <laughs> sick of it, man. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. you. You don't know how many times I listen to cocaine. I listen to cocaine every day for like six months. Listen, speaking about boxing gloves, mm-hmm. because Royce has... <laughs> <laughs> Royce has LL Cool J's boxing gloves. Mm. Wait, LL had boxing gloves? Yep, mama said knock you out gloves. How'd you get them? Um, LL Cool J sent them to me with his signature on them. <laughs> Not bragging. <laughs> Not bragging. That just happens to all Not of bragging us, right? at all. So any, anyway, Mike Tyson, one, probably the greatest heavyweight of all time, is mm-hmm. coming back to the ring and fighting Roy Jones Jr., I think what's the name of the thing? The legend. I think it's the Legends Only League or something like that that they started. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's is it in Vegas too? But anyway, we're doing promo for the fight for free. But who do you who who you got on that fight, man? Uh, Did you even know about the fight? Me? Yeah. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah! I follow Mike Tyson. First of all, Mike Tyson is probably the scariest human being on earth to me. Like he he is a man that truly scares me, and not many real people scare me. Like, but he does, because um, there's always been like a danger about him. Like when you look at fighters, you look at these cats, you be like, yeah, they could beat me in the fight, but I'm not scared of you like that. Mike Tyson, I am scared of. I'm just like this dude. He could be talking to you nice, and then just sock you out. Just be like, all right, man, look out. And, and you know, we've been seeing videos of him with his trainer, and it's just like, yo, he's looking crisp. And I haven't seen videos of Roy, so I'm just like, uh, you know, I don't know what he's doing. Roy looked pretty good, too. He just he just never really a natural heavyweight, so that's going to be a tough. But, I mean, to answer your question, Lou, like who's going to win? The ER. That's, that's what's going <laughs> to Wait, but are they really like a technical question, right? You brought up the the, uh, the weight classes. Are they really pressing heavy on the weight class aspect of it? No, they're not. That's That's another problem. And you're talking about two guys who were supposed to hang up the gloves a long time ago. As much as we love both of them, can't really judge them off of how well they look hitting pads and bags. You know, man, I mean, shit. Those little two-second clips where, you know, Mike Tyson flashes of brilliance. You got to judge them off of the last time that they were in the ring. You know, like Mike Tyson's, you know, the last two times he got stopped by two guys who wouldn't have lasted 30 seconds with him in his prime. And that's only because he was he was fighting past the time he should have. The thing with Mike, I'm not afraid of Mike. Um, I just have a a, a respect wow. for Mike. Like he's a warrior, you know. Oh, and yeah. I know that. Like my like my dad was a warrior, like for real. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and you know when a warrior speaks, and it ain't it ain't got a. And Mike's an intellectual as well. 
And it's kind of like this weird thing that when you're looking at Mike, um, like when he did the interview with Joe Rogan or any of his interviews where he really intellectualizes, Mm -hmm. right? And and talks about strategy and theorems and thought processes and and humanity. And it'll kind of go to different spots. Mm-hmm. But to me, he's like one of the greatest minds, right? Yes. That yeah. that that For we sure. have, right? And he just so For happens sure. can can beat a motherfucker to death. But his mind, right. in addition to his warrior skill set, I mean, this dude is absolutely yeah. ridiculous, bro. I really like that interview he had with with Boosie, and I'm glad he pressed him on the topic of you know the Dwayne Wade thing. I really like that, and I like the fact that it was Tyson talking to him. Cause I really feel like Boosie came with the, with the humbleness on the topic, given the interview. He was forcing them to unpack a little bit. Yeah. And I like that. And then it's a host that you can't whoop if it goes South. So it's just like. <laughs> but, <laughs> but various things, right? Like you can't whoop him. He's mm. such a legend. You're not going to do nothing. You in such awe just to be in his track record is above and right. beyond. You know, you could take four or five different people and put them together. They still got no ma- match the presence mm. of what Mike has done. And True. you can't whoop him. You can't, <laughs> you can't right. really do nothing to him. And mm. it's just, you just got to sit there and take it, you know? Yeah. And it forces I, I you to was... talk. Check this out though. Roy Jones fought in 2018. That was his last fight. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> you said he fought last week in a chicken shack in Russia. For two sandwiches. I did not say that. The two sandwich circuit. What? I did not say that. He's won his last four fights. Since you're doing our research for us, what's the weight differential? It's got to be a huge. It's got to be a big weight differential. Let's see. It's not huge. Roy kind of big, though. Yo, Roy Roy might be a problem then. Because I feel 2005 compared to 2018. This fight is a problem. Royce, do you think they're going to go all out? They only know how to do it one way, Lou. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you you ever been in a boxing gym around professional fighters? Or you ever sparred a professional fighter and they told you they're going to go light on you? They don't really know how, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you fuck around and accidentally land a shot and that's it. That's, that's it. Everything goes out the window. Mike don't know how to go light, bro. Mm. I'm just thinking yeah. like the risk, what it is, who they are. Like you don't want them to get knocked into a motherfucking coma on but basically what's an exhibition match. Listen, them, them headshots hit different in your fifties, especially after a long career where it's been you've been in wars and you were supposed to have retired and nobody will even train you because nobody wants to be a part of this shit anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like once you get to that point, man, it's like I understand, you know what I mean, like that it's an opportunity to make money. <laughs> I can't really speak for Roy, but there's plenty of ways Mike can make money. Everything he does, we love. I saw his one man show in Vegas uh, a couple years ago. I was there live because I, at the same time I was performing out there at the Brad Garrett Comedy Club, so they let me go check the show out, and I was like, yeah, I'll check that out. Sat right there, man. I was like, yo, this is dope. Never seen the Tyson fight live, but I saw that one-man show. You got all girls, Royce? Nah, I got two boys. I got two boys, but I got three little girls. Royce got that robust family size right there, man. Five kids? That's old school. Yeah, I was just talking to my oldest. My oldest is 22. I was just talking to him right right before we got on here, and he was um, giving me parenting advice. So, Oh, he has kids? Oh, he's just giving apparently, you Apparently, I'm his <laughs> kid. just giving you advice. Yeah, apparently, I'm his, I'm his kid. <laughs> Now, Tony, you have all girls, don't you? No, I got two boys. Yeah, 20 and uh, 19. Soon to be 21. He'll be 21 in January. Full grown. It's crazy. Do your kids listen to your music, Royce? Uh, No, I don't think so. I don't believe so. My son is a singer. 
and a producer. I don't think he's necessarily into my into my music, like listening to it like daily. Like he basically it basically went nothing like I thought it was gonna go when I before I had my first kid. It was like this nigga's gonna wanna rap like me. He's gonna wanna listen to all my shit. He's gonna be like a stan. It's quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. I named him Royce and he don't even they call him something totally different. He wants no parts of like the whole uh nepotism thing. They they don't like that. Hmm. Did did he grow up in the hood? No. Hmm. That'd be interesting. I'd be, I'd be thinking about my homies who's like super street, but they kid, mm-hmm. they, they, they grow up in the suburbs and they kids be like super lame. <laughs> but you get, you got to give them the better life. You know what I mean? Yeah. My, my son, my son grew up in the suburbs, but he didn't turn out lame. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy. He turned out really, really cool. He's a cool kid. He's a really, really cool kid, but he's definitely suburban. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not, He's not hood. He's every every bit of an R and B guy. You know what I mean? Like he's, but he's cool though. He's cool to say. He's not like super soft or like you know nothing like that. But he's cool. He's cool. I get it. My youngest son is suburban, more so than my oldest. My oldest one raps, and my youngest son he's more into the intellectual. He likes listening to instrumental type stuff. What like jazz? Now he'll listen to like. Um, he be listening to that chill out stuff where you get a nice little visual and it's just beats playing. And he's like, he likes the gorillas and, and childish Gambino and like, uh, you know, he puts me on a lot of music I've never heard of. And then my oldest is like, you know, he's into the little Dirk and the, and the King Von, but also Kendrick and J Cole too. So, but that's his primary musical demographic is like rap for him. And then my, my youngest son is all over the place. And I'm just like, that's what's up, man. Tony, have you uh are you taking the vaccine? No. What? I'm not taking the vaccine. I know Lupe. Hey, right, I'm one right, of the niggas right, you be right, talking about. All right. Your aunt well, t- expl- explain Jesus. why. I don't trust I just, the know. government. Lupe Lupe the only nigga he, he the only nigga who trusts him. Uh. <laughs> Lupe don't even want to be out here, man. He wanna be in Japan. I know, I wanna you know where that exactly. I wanna be where <laughs> Everybody knows your name. <laughs> doom, doom. Tom, you ain't see that one coming. I was going to segue that back into last week's, the week before that episode. See how I do? I, I, I got long-term memory, so. Jack. Don't ever, don't ever front on me, Tom. When they make the vaccine available, you're just going gonna to go just get it? Yes. Why? I don't have to explain <laughs> myself to you, brother. Yes. Oh, I'm just, I'm just asking the question. I'm sorry, brother. Yes. If, I, if I overstep my boundaries, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Lupe you know, is such a proponent that it's hard to take him serious sometimes on why he says certain things. So it's just like, what? is he really about want- this vaccine life or is he trolling? Because I want to leave the house, cuz. Like, I want to get on a plane and go somewhere. I'm not doing that without no vaccine, bro. I want to go see my mama. It's serious thing. Like, I want to go see my mama and be comfortable because I got OCD, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm like, right? And I don't want to be like that anymore, right? And I want to go see my mom and I have to refer about a certain fit or something like that. So for me, it's other, it's, it's business aspects to it, but it's also kind of some social things that I just want to get past, you know, and I won't be, I want to be back to normal as well. And for me, you know, if, if people would, and I say this all the time, if people were social distancing properly, mm-hmm. if people was wearing masks properly, we wouldn't even need a vaccine. It's That's countries right. right now that have zero cases of the vac- of, of coronavirus 
because they properly socially distanced, they properly locked down, they properly took mask wearing serious. That shit here, my G. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that American entitlement. You can't tell us what to do. I'm gonna do what I can when I can, but I'm not doing it. I'm like, all right, bro. It's that these other countries we locking it down. You ain't doing this. No negotiation. And boom, look at them now. You taking the vaccine, Tom? Yes. You taking it, Royce? Taking it where? In your body, in your bloodstream. <laughs> Absolutely not. So we we half and half, yo. We half and half. I'm also not catching COVID, so I don't fucking care. There's that part, too. The good thing is everybody don't have to take the vaccine as long as a few of us. Not if actually that shit ain't going to work either, but as long as some of us take the vaccine, just like measles and other, well, you know, some people have taken the measles. Before, but anyway, we fuck, man. That's why I'm taking the vaccine. So I will be taking the vaccine. And, you know, as long as I'm protected, I'm cool. I'm be one. I'm still wear a mask. I'm still practice social distance to a degree all the way to the airport, leaving America for the last time. My G. That's, that's, <laughs> I'm going to take that vaccine all the way to the airport, all mm. the way to Japan. Goddamn. And you moving. That's it. You moving. I got stuff I need to do. Like it's business that, I mean, as the crazy part is half of my business is overseas. And Mm -hmm. again, over there, I mean, it ain't like, I mean, you would still have to, I mean, they're going to put you through the ringer. Like you finna sit for two weeks and you can't do nothing. Like you, you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't leave your room. You can't get into a cab. You can't take no public transportation. Like you finna sit. But once you go through that process, I mean, you, you, you free and then you out and you see people going, you know, going to galas and doing all type of other stuff. It's kind of crazy. So for me, it's really a, a, a business piece. And if I bust a move, you know, I got I got business out overseas. And, you know, it requires a I would just feel more comfortable moving with a vaccine. So they'd be like, look, man, you ain't got to sit in here for three weeks. Like you can you got your you got the vaccine. It's, it's, it's one of the vaccines that we actually think works and blah, 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 blah. Come on in. I understand where you're coming from. I ain't going to lie. I understand. If Farrakhan recommends the vaccine to me, I'll take it. <laughs> he did. The Cuba, the one from Cuba. He did? Yeah. I'll look into that. <laughs> I can't trust what you're talking about, Brett. Blood, <laughs> yeah, but listen, why you can't? can't listen. You, about, you know I had a whole throwdown with Riza Islam. Shout out to Riza Islam. And I brought it up mm-hmm. to him. I said, listen, man, the minister said on the July 4th situation, he said that, okay, he don't trust the American vaccine for X, Y, and Z. But he said mm-hmm. that the Cuba vaccine and what Cuba's working on, if it come back right, I mean, that's the, that's that, you know, you might not trust America, but it's other countries who you rock with who also developing vaccines. So might be the Cuban mm-hmm. junk. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm open to that. So you're going to go to Cuba and get their vaccine. I've been wanting to go to Cuba anyway. I've <laughs> <laughs> been looking me? for a reason overnight to go to like Cuba, some syringes? Ask them if they can just overnight me some CCs. The CCs. <laughs> I'll inject it myself. Would you take Would you take the Cuban vaccine for real? Like, but but that's really like go back and watch it. Like it, the the minister was talking about the Cuban vaccine. Would you Would you take it? If the minister suggests for me to take it, if I talk to him and he tells me to, yes, I will take it. My man. Yes, I will take it. I'm not. I'm not. Anti- call you tonight. And for the record, for the record, I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-vax. I'm just anti-trust of America. That's me. I just don't trust America, man. I'm sorry. Wait, man. So you guys are not trusting America, but you're going to trust another country with this vaccine? No, 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 no. I trust Farrakhan, not another country. Farrakhan. I just want to go to Cuba. 
You know what I'm saying? It's a time machine. I kind of want to go to Cuba. It's a time machine, man. I want to see that. Let me tell you how close I got to Cuba. I was performing on the cruise ship, and one of the one of the stops was Cuba. Oh, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Cruise ship. Wait, hold wait, on. Hold on. You just, oh, you just wrong. You just pressed the secret buzzer and didn't even know it. What huh. cruise line was you on, Jack? Which one was I you on? I was on, uh, it was uh, Norwegian. Oh, okay, we'll take that. We'll take that. <laughs> Take that. Anyway, anyway, go on ahead. Go on Norwegian go cruise ahead. lines. I was on there. One of the stops was Cuba, and I was like, "Woo!" Like when I got on the boat, because I, I was doing like cruise lines a lot. This is before you know the COVID thing, and um, I was excited. And I was like, "But you gotta, you gotta get a yellow fever shot before you can go to Cuba." And I was like, "Man, well, why? Well, right, well, give me the shot." And I was just like, "But then it was like you have to pay for the shot because I wanted to go to Cuba, man." I was like, "Yo." Look, Yellow fever, man. Nobody tell me this. How much is the shot? And they was like, it's gonna be four hundred dollars if you pay for it yourself. And I, I just looked at Cuba from the ship. I was just like, I'm not paying. <laughs> I wasn't that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need, I needed the money, man. So I just looked at Cuba from the boat. I seen all the old school whips moving. I was just like, man, I'm right here. I stayed on the boat, man, because I had to pay for the, nobody. They should have told me this in advance. They gonna hit me with it on the ship. Yeah, it's four hundred dollars if you want. To. I was like, man, and I'll just only be there for a couple hours. No, there's plenty of stuff to do on the ship. You played yeah. that right. And listen, listen, don't even regret. You played that absolutely right because I've definitely mm-hmm. looked at flying coach. I fly coach all the goddamn time. Like, how much is first class? Twelve hundred. How much is coach? Five hundred. I'm gonna keep that seven hundred. That's on me. I feel that, it, man. Yeah, hell yeah. When I land, I'm gonna have seven hundred. To move around on you feel me <laughs> i'm reminiscing i want to get on a flight so bad and i'm like sir what flight you can have any seat on the plane what do you want give me the window no give me the middle i want 64 b now you went to the middle oh you know. i heard i heard delta's not even doing middle. I, it's either the aisle or the window and that's perfect for me shout mm-hmm. out to delta airlines for doing that shout out to united airlines you know yeah that's the way that's the way that you should book all flights mm-hmm. right now during the pandemic yep this space. I don't like United. We don't like no, I don't like United. We don't like you either. Don't like you either. They ain't Isn't United. United the one that dragged the guy yeah, out? Yeah, they threw the him out mid-flight. Fuck that guy. He didn't deserve to be on the flight. No way. That's just how we roll, okay? You either, gonna, you either got status or you don't. And that's just what that is. Ain't they the ones that had the incident with Tamika? Who? Was that oh, United? Was Tamika Mallory? Wow. Oh, was, was, she, was, that, that, was that United? United? What'd she do? Probably. She was like racially profiled or some shit. What did she do? I can't remember the story well enough to be able to. I don't want to. I don't want to fuck. I don't want to fuck the story up because she that's did like something. you know she did something. She didn't do I, anything. What do you mean? What do you mean she I will did t- something? I will tell you. Listen, I'm not getting into the seriousness of this. Of Tamika Mallory getting kicked off a racially profiled United flight. I'm not getting into that. What it I am American getting into. American Airlines. There you go. You trying to put it on us? American Airlines. Well, American us. Airlines was trash Wait, too. Us United. Yeah. When you unite, it's us. So you are united. No, United. You, united got a lot. United has a lot of stories like that, though. They do. A That's lot. fine. But listen, listen to me. Not getting on United. Let me tell you something. That's fine. You ain't got to. We don't want you. And United. We don't want you kind. I'm a Southwest guy. <laughs> Southwest. You know why? Southwest is my number Whoa. two. You know you why? You couldn't give me a Southwest you, plane for free. Like y'all can keep. You that. know why? Because I get my one through ten status, and I get to pick my seat. Okay, I can sit it. anywhere I want to sit. Now check it. Now check it. What I was about Freedom. to say was that the United can be kind of garbage. Delta's pure. Delta can be whatever, but on United, 
when you get status, when it turns over and you got status, woo chow. Uh, I ain't got the child. patience to make it through the bullshit to get to the status. Hold on, let me show y'all. Hold up. <laughs> hold up. Let me show y'all this. Uh now he's gonna go get his what do you got up? Oh, uh, here we go. His status symbol. His status coat. Hey, or what do you have a special sports jacket? Here's another thing about Southwest that I enjoy. The bags fly free. You get two free bags mm-hmm. on Southwest. And when you get this, oh, here we go. Oh, uh, this is this is why he pumping up United. Oh, look, they sent this. To wait me. a minute, he I got something. hung in there. I got something. Oh, you wait, hold, oh. you wait for a sec. You wait. Y'all showing off quality. Oh, and on. Let me let me grab my little that. something. Hold on, man. <laughs> See what I got up in here. Man. Let, me go, let me grab my um, my <laughs> frequent flyer miles from Spirit. I'm going to show you my thing they from make, Southwest. The I was, this. Come on. I was one time uh, they, they reached out to me because I was booked. I had checked in on three separate flights mm. at the same time. The only way you can do that is if you have three flights within 24 hours. Right. Oh, snap. And look what they gave me. Gave me this nice little bag. Little Southwest bag right there. Oh, okay. That's some, some bull. That's some bull. Parachute. Man. You got the parachute. You can't even put nothing, even put nothing in that bag. Spirit don't even give you your own bag. Man, they don't. <laughs> they don't, man. Like, like, hey, I'd rather sorry, take man. the Oregon Trail the way I got the Golden Spirit Airlines. <laughs> man, I swear, man. Horse every back. fucking every landing is rough. You have that prominently displayed in your hell in your yeah, I'm proud room, of this, man. You know this because flying <laughs> has taken years off my life. Just so you know, the amount of radiation that I've been with, like mm. just body fucked up, all the flights I didn't been on, man. This is a rep. I want this to be gets past this down to you know it's gonna be in the wheel for someone. Why did they give you that? He changed after he got that. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting here looking at that thing like it's such hell? a little thing. Couldn't they just send you First an email? Time, they not... mailed that to you, uh, Tony. Yes, they did mail it to me. And uh, yes, Royce, <laughs> I you know I was a little perturbed by this presentation myself. But then when I got into the specifics and the design, I mean, this is something. Cla- I mean, why not? Why not? Where where is that sitting at? It's sitting on my 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 menagerie of uh, collect collectibles. <laughs> <laughs> it's right next to your Grammy. He got gold plaque for the cool right next to the United Airlines million miles. No, I got, I got a. I, I'll show. I will bring out my menagerie if you want. It's a lot of things, but I got maybe it's for another show. But I have like a. There's a famous artist. No plaques, actually. Plaques. Nope. The Grammys. The, nope, nope. the, the swords. And then you got the. And then you got the motherfucking award that says. You booked on the same airline for no. Nah, I mean, Lupe got a whole Grammy. He proud of the United <laughs> Airlines. No, <laughs> listen, we've never seen the Grammy. The little, it's the little things. It's the mementos that people that I've come into contact with through my travels. So I got like when I got invited to a summit, right? I got, I got. There was a famous mm-hmm. artist who gave me one of her paint bottles and signed it, right? And then I got like uh, a opium pipe from China. Right, which is up here too. Mm-hmm. I got like some. I went to the petrified forest. You ever been to the crystal forest? Right, I think it's in New Mexico, but the crystal forest where they got all these petrified trees. I got like that. I got like some beads mm-hmm. that I got when I was in Istanbul. I got like it's it's like little little things. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, yo, this will fit right mm-hmm. in the you know you know. Mm-hmm. So when people come in and they look, they're like, what the fuck is all this shit on top of your bookcase? I'm like, bitch, nigga, that is my menagerie <laughs> of collectibles. <laughs> 
I'm all about the menagerie, mm-hmm. but just the pride in this United one. Is just, it was just in context. It was just in context of what we was talking about. And I wanted to rip. just represent for the United because I'm, you know, that's that squad. They And they from the crib, based in Chicago. You know what I'm saying? Oh, are they? Yeah. I didn't know that. Hell yeah. <laughs> one, mil- one million miles. Lupe being first class looking at that thing while somebody fucking getting, while some black lady is getting drugged off the plane by her neck. And she, he don't even notice it. He's like, get a black ass things. out of here. Lupe, like, what did she do? What did she do? They're, they're like, sir, are you going to say something? I'm like, what are you talking I have no idea what you're talking about. Only get my financial <laughs> times. See what's going on here. Your, your Forbes magazine has nothing is to do with a, me, I see. Is she a frequent flyer? Right. I mean, every airline has they every airline has their ups and downs, man. But I I think with every airline, once you hit a certain level of status, like the shit changes for real. And in certain airlines, I just could never do it. Like like Delta takes your miles away too quick, or American might be some or whatever. And I hate Southwest with a passion. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine, and Tom Frank. The Lupe and Royce show is a Say What Media production. Have you thought about hosting your own podcast but don't know where to start? Working with Say What Media is like having your own personal producer, editor, audio engineer, and distributor all in one place. From equipment recommendations to engineering and distribution, Say What Media handles the boring details so you can focus on saying interesting stuff. Get started at saywhat.media. Royce, so I want to ask you this. I want to interview y'all, man. Look out, man. Look, man, get off. Uh, Royce, what's your favorite album you've ever done? Favorite album I've ever done? Uh, well, album called Book of Ryan. It's, yes. uh, mm-hmm. I made it. Well, it's, it's, you know, I feel like every artist should have that one self-defining album, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, that, that's, that's my self-defining album. So it was actually, it was made to not really be topped. You know what okay. I mean? So in my mind, it's my favorite one because it's the most dear to my heart because it's, my story. Everything yeah. else is just, you know, different moods. You know what I mean? But that one is like that. That's that is who I am. That's the one you listen to, and you have a, a, a sense of who you're listening to. Yes, I love this, man. I'm so excited internally. Lupe, <laughs> how come you, you? You probably gonna come with this little diplomatic answer. I'm gonna say something diplomatic. Uh, Right. Um, how come you didn't work with Common more often? Fuck that nigga. How about that? Right, you weren't expecting you know that, was okay. you? Nah, I'm just joking. I've worked with Common, Jack. I've worked with but Common. But like... I've worked with Common. I have. Shout to Common. Shout has to he Derek, been on shout, your albums? Shout to Derek Dudley. We, he, he has not been on my albums. Actually, I'm sure... Oh, you know what? Let me look. Oh, look at me. That, I got that, to pull out the That's pictures. what I'm talking about. I'm talking about he ain't never been on... A Lupe Alps. Uh-oh, he's pulling oh, something else a, off the shelf. It's a, a xylophone from Africa. My friend bought back for me. It's a little xylophone that I keep. Now, now see, now that's okay. what I'm talking about in the menagerie Ooh, right there. Okay. That's yeah, a legit yeah. menagerie piece. Yeah, that, this is, I'm telling you. Plaque. I mean, it's up there. We want to know, know about Common, man. I'm sure we know you, you got a motherfucking... We know you got a trombone from fucking Istanbul. They go Common. They go, they go me. They go Jennifer Hudson. Three of Chicago's finest. Yeah. And we actually yes. we actually worked. Oh, I didn't know Jay Hood was from Chicago. Yeah, she is. We actually worked on a, a actually of the most one of the most powerful records. Speaking to, to to Royce, come piggybacking off him saying having a defining thing for mm. me. My defining records and uh, are about how can I be of utmost service to someone else, right? And tell somebody else's mm-hmm. story. So I did a record called Mission, which was about uh, fighting cancer. Um, that was that was good. And we did a remix called Remission, which featured mm. Common, Jennifer Hudson, 
and uh 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 what's the brother's name he gonna kill me he wasn't on the actual record he was on the record uh oh my god now i feel super bad uh charlie wilson mm. charlie yeah. charlie, charlie wilson. wilson yeah okay and we actually yeah. got a chance me jennifer uh uh common uh we we have, we got up with stand up to cancer which is what that that logo is stand up to cancer mm. and uh i remember that uh we performed it performed the remix and raised a bunch of awareness did a bunch of good thing i got to it was uh, i wrote the record for a brother by the name of quasi uh bob quasi who mm. had cancer at the time and i remember went going he was a uh head of african american studies at uh chicago state university um and mm. so he was he was behind you know uplifting all kinds of brothers and sisters out of the out of the struggle on the south side and uh he's actually glc's brother so shout out to glc oh wow yeah yeah glc's glc's okay. big brother and uh I I basically kind of made the song for him. And I remember going down to the university one day, surprising him. I was like, hey, I want you to listen to something. And I played a mission. And the, the, it was like, he was like, that's that's me. And it was all about people fighting back against what they was doing. Great, he was like, man, great that's me. And, uh, How did I miss this it song? Was, uh, yeah, it was man. nominated for a BET Hip Hop Award for Best Impact Track. Oh, dope. Know. So that for me that's that was, so that's I why I worked. That yeah, I worked with Common on that, and he killed it too. Like he, okay. he he went crazy on it. So I've worked I've worked with 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 Common actually on a few things. Like we did that, we did another uh thing with No ID. Shout out to No ID. Uh, no and ID. me actually it was yes. me Common and Jennifer Hudson again. We did this thing called uh some for I think it was for the NBA or something like that. But another kind of you know mm-hmm. No ID from the city. Me Common. So we worked mm-hmm. together before for sure. Okay. Love this dude, man. And learned a lot from him just so on some learning how to rap. Royce. Yes, sir. Which which uh slaughterhouse member are you closest to? Um kind of like the glue. You know what I mean? I'm kind of like mm-hmm. uh we're not I don't want to say the glue. I'm kind of like the liaison between all of the guys. Because mm-hmm. I'm 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 the second oldest. Um I grew up with brothers, you know, like me and me and Crook, me and Crook, since he's from the West Coast. We connect, mm-hmm. me being from Detroit, we connect in a way that none of us, none of the other ones connect. But right. then also me and Joe, me and Joe, since Joe is crazy, mm-hmm. me and him connect in a way that none of the other ones connect. So Crook and Joe, um, I'm really close to them in different ways. You okay. know what I'm saying? Joel is, Crook my, is, the Joel oldest? is my guy too. Yeah, Crook is yeah. the oldest. Yeah. Who's the youngest, Joel? Uh, yeah, I think it's... I think it's either Joel or Joe. Yeah, Joel. Yep, Joel. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Lupe, if he if he's if he becomes the fifth member, he'll I was I was Joel. the fifth member Yo, for a minute, it, for one minute. I feel like Lupe he put in his bid, and then Royce was like, "Nah, he did." He yeah. that's what Royce did. I went to Royce. He he gave me the bullshit. I actually mm-hmm. got in through Crooked. Shout to Crooked Eye, and I was of the officially mm-hmm. the fifth member of Salter House uh, for like a minute, and then I retired on Twitter. Oh. Yeah, I, I was, it was a little bit too much pressure. You know what I'm saying? Once I got in there, Bro, I was. That was really the first time. It. That was the first time I realized how fucking crazy your fans are, bro. What? <laughs> when he did that, when he did that, they were like really mm. like offended, like like I did something wrong. Yeah, you was a wild. Like first yeah. of all, you were a wild piece of shit for that, but it's cool, and I still love you. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like. Tony, what have you y'all done? Y'all been following this man all of this time, and y'all can't detect sar- sarcasm coming. It wasn't from sarcastic. It was, it was, Jesus. it was, it was complete dejection, and I felt it thoroughly. You're wrong. You're wrong for doing Lupe <laughs> like that, man. You're wrong. 
like, this motherfucker just sitting back watching them just flamboy my ass. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, damn. Royce really kind of shitted on us, man. We really wanted in there. And yeah, I was in there for, I was in there for literally, I was in there for literally. Why you was, get out so quick? I could I couldn't take the pressure, man. It was too much fame. I don't know how Royce was able to maintain the like, shoulders of that mantle, man. That's some monstrous shit. Y'all sitting here of. frying me. Y'all really think this man want to be a, a, a member of a fucking group? <laughs> like, man, Jesus. Just for one project. Throw Lupe in there. <clears throat> Can't Maybe. nobody get Lupe to rap. That that's what one thing people don't realize. Tony, did you know that? No. Nah, well, you know Name what? a rapper. Name a rapper that has gotten him to rap. Nobody can get him to rap. Tony, I want you to just listen to this to me as if I'm the only voice. Royce, can you keep talking? And Tom, can you can y'all keep talking and carry on the podcast? But but Tony, I want you to isolate them and just listen to me, and I'm gonna give you a set of instructions. Uh, Royce, can you please? Can Royce, can you talk about? Well, we're just, just we're just gonna we're okay. Just cool. Gonna there you go. So t- so Tony. Come on, I need the cacophony to uh, make this. Royce, come on, y'all, follow me Royce, with this. Thank you. Um, so, Tony, uh, I need you to. I need you there? to Google Liam 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 Neeson. Portraits here, of <laughs> Royce. Just Google that real quick. Portraits <laughs> that, that is nah, of yeah, Royce. Man, listen, listen, listen. Just that, Google. He's always going portraits of Royce. Of Royce. Yeah. So why are you googling just, that? Just, and why are you googling that, Tony? Just, oh, Google. Just make Google sure that you pay attention to me, okay? None of these other voices Lupe right now. Fiasco okay. has rapped with portraits. No, 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 no. Of you Royce. Know what? Google. Have you, have you got it? Rappers. You got it, Tony. Lupe has given has a it came up. To. Has it came up on the screen, Tony? Oh. Portraits. It's a song. It's a minute and forty. Yeah, yeah. Now I want seconds. you to play that. Just play you know it. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. Don't even worry about. Anything Touch the sky is gonna come up. And he didn't even want to do nothing, that. Just play it in whatever format it presents itself. You, you just play that. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and he wait, recorded okay. Touch the Sky with a gun to wait. his head. Okay, here we go. Yo, you didn't want to record Touch the Sky. Listen to this. No, wow. listen to this. That's Yo. Lupe Fiasco writing a song about how much he adores. Royce the five nine. Now, what I would like you to do now, Tony, Man. is I would like you to it's Google compelling. portraits of Lupe. All right, let me see. going for this. <laughs> All the man had to up. do that sh- that rap right there. He could have just sent that to me, and we could have just did a song. He won't rap with me. <laughs> That's what he won't admit to y'all. Nobody can get him to rap. There is yeah, a portrait see, of a Lupe. Portrait, a Lupe Marin, nineteen thirty-eight. Right, there Rivera. is no <laughs> portraits of Lupe. Yeah, hey, look up, look up Lupe Fiasco feature. <laughs> okay, Lupe Fiasco feature. Tony has oh, turned man. into our research guy. Here. You're gonna see Jay Z. Yeah, You're gonna see Snoop Dogg. You're gonna see Lil Wayne. You're gonna see Kanye West. You're gonna see a myriad. You're gonna see a myriad of other MCs and rappers. You're gonna see. You're gonna see. Wale, you're gonna see Rick Ross, you're gonna see a myriad of people that I've been rapping with, but you're not gonna see Portraits of Lupe by Royce the Five Nine. You're gonna he see all gonna see, that, but you're not. He gonna ain't gonna see, see Royce the Five Nine featuring Lupe either. We got oh. a whole podcast together. Oh. Me and him have been on how many podcasts is this? It's number ten. We've sung songs Y'all together. Did ten already? Yeah, wow. we deep in this. <laughs> No, he just wants some. How long y'all know each other? Like, how long was y'all cool? Long enough for me to be thoroughly disrespected, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) 
the full disrespect. Man, fully cooked, you, fully realized disrespect. Listen, man, Tony, we really appreciate you coming on and chopping it up with us, man. Oh, man. For sure. I'm honored. We really do, man. We really do. Mm-hmm. We really do. Always really do. I'm honored. Honored to be here. Anytime y'all need me, hit me up, man. I'm down. We hit you up last time. Well, it can't be it can't be short notice, though. Give me give me something. Y'all was like, you want to do it tonight? And I'm like, hey, hold on, man. That, that was my plans. fault. That was my fault. I, I, I do hit you up. You want to so. do it in five minutes? Tone. We're doing it in five minutes. What you doing? Like, I'm in, I'm in, you know, I'm in food for less right now, man. I'm in all these, man. I'm I'm bagging groceries. Um I want to interview y'all at length because I'm I'm a fan, fan. Big fan. Thank you, man. Likewise. Likewise. Big man. fan, man. Y'all, y'all just be and here's the thing, man. Y'all musicians gotta y'all have something special that comedians don't have. Yeah, we be making y'all laugh and you be quoting stuff and you be like, but, but musicians though, y'all have been in my life, like a soundtrack to my life for like mad long and like so many chapters. You be like, man, this song remind me of I was going through this. I was walking on campus listening to this, and it's just like man and i feel like you know comedy you might have that but music man it's just something special and i envy y'all a little bit man i was like man i wish i was musically talented but you know but y'all out here barred up man killing the game i see y'all well i'm glad man you you're a great one you're a great one and if and plus if you were a rapper you wouldn't be rapping with lupe so don't even worry about it bro (laughs) just admire him from afar (laughs) you know what i'm saying I will say the first time I ever heard Lupe was a feature, and it was see it was the Kanye West Look feature. Look at but, that, but Royce. You, you, but Royce said Royce said you Kanye West to do it though. First time I Kanye ever heard West Royce feature. was by himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. mm-hmm. Yep. He didn't need no. Help. I think the first time I ever heard Royce was the 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 bad mm-hmm. was the bad Bruce mm-hmm. evil. Yeah, bad meets evil. Mm-hmm. Bad meets evil. evil. Mm-hmm. That was that was. And that's what Touch the Sky was too. Mm-hmm. And then Lupe didn't then, know he was evil back then. Mm-hmm. What got what got me into Royce the Five Nine mm-hmm. was that song Hip Hop on his uh, Death is Certain. Was it Death is Certain? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that song right there. I was like, yo, I bought the CD, bought the album, man. Went out and scrambled, bought that thing. I was like, yeah, this dude right here, man. You know what I'm saying? Because this this dude, man. If he if he was white, oh. Tony, we love you, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming on Thank the show. You, really I appreciate, appreciate you, y'all, man. man. Anytime, anytime. Not on short notice time, but anytime. Never again. Anytime. I got, I got more questions for y'all, too. So We'll yes. get you back. You'll be back. Okay, for sure. All right. Next episode. I want to be back the next episode. Questions episode 11. Episode 11. <laughs> questions oh, yeah. Hell with yeah. Tony. Questions with Tony. Questions, questions with Tony. That's going to be the, the thing. The thing, that. That's a new segment. I want, I want the portrait of Tony Baker's questions. Your next track. <laughs> Let's get it. What up? This is Lupe Fiasco. This is Royce59. And this is Tom Frank. And thank you for listening to the 10th episode of the Lupe and Royce Show. That's our show for the week. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe or follow. Leave us a review and tell your friends to listen. The Lupe and Royce Show is a production of Say What Media. It's recorded and mixed by Claude Jennings. Our head writer is Lauren Sloat. I'm Tom Frank. And our theme music is by, who else? Lupe Fiasco and Royce the Five Nine.